Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why can some ghosts of the same person be seen in different places at the same time? Are dowsing and other, quote, divination activities as dangerous as Ouija boards? What is the Wendigo? Hello, and welcome to the 950th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from WON, AM, and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, on YouTube, and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben, and those surprising questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today we welcome back a distinguished friend and uh, one of our regular guest co-hosts. Co-hosting with us today uh, via Skype is Tim R. Swartz. Tim is an Emmy Award-winning television producer and videographer and is the author of a number of popular books, a well-known broadcaster. Tim has investigated unexplained phenomena all over the world, has appeared widely in the media, and we're honored to call him a friend. Oh, so Tim Schwartz, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Hey, thanks, guys. It's, uh, it's always a real pleasure being with you. No, it's always fun to have you with us. You always offer such an interesting perspective. He's seen a lot, <laughs> this guy has. That's, that's true, and I guess we should just hop right into it then. Yeah, let's um, get started. Yes. No, that, that's, well, a, that's me, a, the script you hand, bit. You handed me the wrong thing, or maybe I just grabbed you the wrong You just grabbed thing. the wrong thing. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm okay. a little eager. I'm, I'm ready to get into it, is, <laughs> is, is sort of the thing. So I guess we'll, we'll hop into this question from Pam in Cumberland, Rhode Island, right here in our listening area. Uh, I'm really amazed uh, by so much that I hear on your show, but one thing I would really like to hear more about is uh, ghosts of different ghosts different people see in different places at the same time. Can you say more about that? Yeah, well, I'm the one who brought that up in the first place. So, yeah, it's um, difficult, of course, to tell that because that could be happening, but you have to have people report the sightings and they have to drive, okay? Right. And that's not easy. Uh, I have three cases of that from over the years, one from the 70s and two from the 80s, and they, they all involved large families uh, who had lost someone, and uh, relatives, of course, uh, <clears throat> will sometimes have experiences of loved ones, uh, whether they like the loved one or, or not, <laughs> which is something I always think about. But uh, in this case, uh, the, the families, uh, several members uh, of, the, of the families in re- relatively widely separated places had seen the person who had, quote-unquote, died or translated, as we say, uh, at the same time, the same point in the evening, uh, doing different things. Uh, all these sightings were, or actually about half of them were, uh, well, I should say, Two were interactive Mm -hmm. in the sense that the person was, um, the quote-unquote ghost was apparently aware of the people who were observing him. And uh, in the third case, uh, it was a woman who just seemed like she was going about her day uh, doing different things, and then two people were seeing her at the same time. Uh, In my opinion, this uh, is our dear old multiverse uh, at work. Uh, where, uh, you know, there are many worlds in which the person never translated and um, being connected in many ways with uh, the members of the family, uh, they would see the person uh, at the same time. But again, 
this could happen every day, but we don't know about it because people wouldn't report it, and it's the sort of thing they would talk, wouldn't talk about in many cases. So I don't know. Mm. Uh, Tim, have you ever run into that kind of thing? Oh, I've uh, like you. I mean, I've I've heard stories. Uh, the thing about it is, is it's it's really hard to. To, to get the times right, you know, if somebody says, oh, well, you know, I saw, uh, you know, great, great grandma Myrtle, who uh, she appeared at my bedside at 10 o'clock, and, you know, so I said, oh, yeah, well, it was 10 o'clock that I saw her as well. You know, I mean, uh, it, it, it's really hard to determine if it was actually 10 o'clock or, you know, 5 after 10 or, you know, 5 uh, before 10 o'clock. So, you know, I... I really haven't heard any accounts that you know you could you could really be definitive that yeah this this all ex- happened exactly at ten o'clock say uh, not to say that uh, it probably couldn't happen because I mean you know I think that uh, we probably uh, our universe is is timeless. That you know our perception of time, you know, past, present, and future, is just because of our physical condition, and that uh, so you know for anything that is outside of our time-space continuum, you know if if they're able to do so, they could probably appear anytime they wanted to, to anyone, you know, any place. Uh, but I'm like you, Paul. I mean, you know, you also have to consider this, this, you know, the, the multiverse theory that, uh, we, we exist in an infinite number of universes. And so, I mean, yes, uh, the, somebody who is, say, like grieving has strong emotions going on that, you know, that opens up your perceptions to be able to see uh, uh, past the veil, especially when it concerns uh, a loved one that you've been very close to. So, yeah, I mean, you, you could have several people uh, at the same time seeing you know, uh, looking into these windows, so to speak, into some of these uh, multiple timelines where the person is still alive, um, you know, especially in the ones that are probably closest to us, because those are the ones that, you know, my theory would be the most similar to our own present timeline. Mm. Uh, thoughts, Ben? Sure. Um, <clears throat> oh, geez, excuse me. Um, I think it's... Uh, hmm. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I've been I've been kind of into um, phenomenology recently, but the study of the human experience. And um, one sort of thing that always really fascinates me is there's this sort of very general common denominator between most paranormal phenomena of of sort of the I guess I'm going to borrow a term from parapsychology, but change it a little bit. The observer, right? We're gonna we're gonna take that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna flip it a bit. So the, the general idea is that somebody observes a, a phenomena and, you know, typically there would be someone who would be, you know, precipitating it, whether with emotions, whatever. Um, but I, I think it's it's more of we're all sort of the observer and we're all sort of precipitating it in some way, shape or form, right? So why is it that, you know, ghost hunters, quote unquote, go into, let's say, an abandoned asylum because that's a fun cliche 
and um, they, you know, they all experience something different, right? It's, you know, they're all in the same room, but they all they all have these common denominators of, okay, well, you know, the temperature changed, blah, 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 blah. And we know, we, we have stories of, you know, a woman in white seen running down the halls and, and crying and, you know, a story of a kid, you know, playing with a toy airplane in a different room or, or whatever. But it's like, you know, they all, they all experience different things. And it's never necessarily the same thing. It's just kind of these these sort of stories that we we've sort of taken and tried to place a phenomena into a pattern of right. So we we have these these set patterns that that we we like to or well instead of patterns we like stories. We'll put it we'll put it this way. We like ghost stories. So we 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 like to have a ghost story with a structure, and we we want to structure and and order the the reality to to fit this particular story so let's say you know grandma you know passes away her funeral was a few weeks ago and then somebody sees grandma you know a few months later you know sitting in her favorite chair and here's the question is it grandma it could be there's a possibility that it's grandma and you know there's there's there could be a parallel world in which grandma is existing and doing the same thing that she's doing but we have a story in our head and the story is grandma grandma's dead and grandma is is here and she has a message for us and it's like well grandma could just be knitting right in a different world but we we like to have these stories and we like to have the phenomena fit whatever narrative we walk into it with now let's say you know grandma dies and then you see a little girl in white right okay well that's grandma's a little girl and she's running around and she's doing her thing maybe it's not grandma maybe it's a parasite maybe it's a completely different creature that we don't know about but here's the thing we have stories. We all have a story we try to fit this phenomena into, and we can't quite do it. But we all have a different story we want to tell, right? So hence why my dad and I will walk into a case, and they'll have a medium in there, you know, say, well, you know, there's a, a tortured soul that we we had to get them to the other side, whatever the other side is, right? Or the other side of what? Who knows, you know? And and we'll never we'll never know because we we like vague terms that fit our narrative. You know, it's like humans, depending on whatever the subject is, we, we like to have a narrative and we like to have things fit that narrative. It doesn't matter what the subject is, right? Whether it's politics, history, whatever, we have a narrative and we want to make it fit. And in the paranormal, we're, it's no different. You know, we have a narrative, we want to make it fit. It's probably why we're not welcome at most ghost events, because we, we have a narrative that doesn't fit. No. And, and so... We're bad for business. We are bad for business, but we have a different narrative. And so here's the thing. There's something happening, and we all have a different narrative we're trying to fit it into. Whether it's grandma that passed away a few weeks ago, whether it's a parasite, whether it's something completely different. Maybe it's a different lady entirely, just living a different life that happens to look like grandma. We don't know. And so the the fun thing is, we're all experiencing these events that humans have experienced forever. And our story has changed, but the phenomena hasn't. Right. Well, just the context of the, before we go to another subject, uh, the, the context of this, 1978 was the first time I heard of this. And uh, by the end of the 70s, I was really confused. I'd been through the poltergeist case in Bridgeport, the exorcisms uh, when I was in the seminary, all this different stuff that didn't fit the old ideas, in my opinion. We, we had to come up with new, new theories. So I started hearing about this. And it was, in, in me, more arrows in the quiver of the idea that we had to uh, sort of update our ideas about the paranormal. 
Now that now one little twist, and I'd like to get to Tim's view on this too. Uh, Pam might be interested in hearing was right here in Rhode Island, uh, down on Prudence Island. Now Narragansett Bay is full of little islands, all of them named after Roger Williams's daughters. Okay, the hmm. founder of Providence, and Prudence was one of them. So. <clears throat> And uh, I was uh, going over there. Matter of fact, uh, your mother and I, Ben, were, were going over to. Uh, I was going to lecture there this some years ago, and they said it was the first. We were late. It was the first time they'd held the ferry in thirty years, <laughs> so that I was complimented with that. Yeah, that's but over there, uh, I ran into a case that uh, involved uh, somebody who the, the ghost, quote unquote, someone who hadn't died yet, and to me. To me, that's um, something that's kind of related to this in a way. Uh, in this house, there was a woman clearly cooking uh, at a um, fireplace at one time. It's a long story. And then upstairs was a man uh, who had uh, was in very bad shape, very unhappy, a big mess. Turns out it was the guy, he was in prison, you know, perfectly... You know, living, quote unquote, you know, with the breathing and everything. And uh, I thought that was interesting too. So there are all sorts of variations on a theme here. So we seem to have a caller. We do. And it is Cousin Rick. Oh, Cousin Rick Eno, uh, one of our, one of our, uh, uh, special co-hosts and our Northern California reporter. Hello, Rick. Welcome to WON. Thank you, Paul. It's good to hear you in Ben's voice. I, I, uh, Always look forward to hearing that on a Sunday. Well, uh, allergies or not, I guess I can talk. Yes, the, the dulcet tones of the Eno boys. <laughs> yes, how many Enos can there be? <laughs> All right. So we're here with uh, Tim Swartz, who is filling Hi, in Tim. for us. Hi, good to talk to you. Good to have you, have you this morning. So what do you have for us from Lotus Land? Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I'm going to, uh, I've noticed a trend, so I'm going to, actually include briefly two cases that I, I reported on before just to give a context and then uh, go into what why I'm seeing a trend. So um, the case that I've reported on prior on the show was one where there was a, uh, it, was on, it, it was last year in October uh, on the 30th, and what happened was a person was sitting in the backyard basically they saw this craft overhead. It had a certain light arrangement. It had no sound. It had no wings. Uh, and it was moving two to 300 miles an hour, so at, at a low level. So I'm going to leave that one there because I've talked about it before, but I want to go forward to the next case, which was about uh, January 15th of 2022, when a gentleman was in his yard with his dog, and he witnessed uh, what seemed to be a somewhat of a saucer-like craft with a distinct light pattern um, that whenever it would move, the light pattern would light up in a certain sequence and then it would move forward. And then when it left, it had another distinct light pattern and it shot straight up and disappeared, leaving a cloud behind. So, so these crafts that I'm, I'm seeing have some unique features. Um, so we're seeing an increase in crafts as opposed to orbs or or anything else, at least in, in the cases that I'm doing. I don't mm. want to generalize everybody. So this next case, it comes to me, it happened on March 
10th, and uh, the person was on their back patio, and they witnessed uh, a circular object uh, hovering in the distance. And what they witnessed was that circular object ejected another circular object from it, and they were side by side. Um, and then began moving, I believe, in a southeast pattern towards uh, what I believe would be uh, Sacramento. So, so there's this other case uh, where we're seeing the object. That same case, uh, she went out to look around the neighborhood, and she saw two other similarly glowing circular objects uh, flying a distinct pattern again towards uh, Sacramento, uh, and as it broke off into the distance, uh, three helicopters were pursuing it. Hmm. And so, so again, what I'm seeing here is, okay, we're seeing these repetitive crafts. I'm getting them every so often. Um, and then finally, and, and this is the case uh, I'm currently working on, so I can only reveal certain things about it, but it happened in Monterey County, which isn't that far away logistically from these other cases. And a gentleman was with his daughter, and they had stopped. Um, along the highway, um, and all of a sudden it started getting really warm in the car. It was about, I'd say it was, the, the temp, ambient temperature outside was in the 50s, but it was getting to be 80 degrees, and they couldn't figure out why. They looked over, they saw this craft with like a sheen of a window and about six figures inside it, and they, they stared at it for about 10 seconds, and then it took off, um, rapidly, and when it did, the temperature dropped back down to the ambient 52 degrees. So, so what I'm seeing in the cases I'm getting is all reports of craft doing unique things, um, as opposed to what I, I sometimes get, which is, you know, uh, I get beings reported or entities reported or voices and things like that. I'm seeing more, a lot more uptake in uh, the actual physical craft. So, wow. I'm working on figuring that one out. Well, uh, Tim is a major theological figure in the uh, UFO community, so I'm going to only throw that right in his lap. Tim, what say you? Yeah. Well, it's always nice to see uh, reports of uh, what appeared to be actual physical craft. I mean, it, it seems like that for quite a while, uh, people have been seeing you know, orbs or just little bright dots in the sky. So, you know, when you have a craft that has a very distinctive light pattern to it, uh, you know, it's always nice to hear these reports. It's especially nice uh, to hear ones where people are actually observing, say, like uh, you said, the one where it had a window with uh, they could see, like, you know, uh, beans, you know, peering out. You know, it, it seems like reports like this have, have really fallen to the wayside. I don't know if uh, people have just become reluctant to report them or if, you know, actually there just hasn't been a lot of cases, uh, uh, you know, like, like that. Uh, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's always a pleasure to, to hear these. And, and once again, I always need to point, like to point out, with these craft that, uh, like your first report that has uh, uh, distinctive light patterns, why do they have distinctive light patterns? It's, it's, it seems to me that, you know, if you are dealing 
and I'm just putting that out there, you know, uh, with, 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 with physical, say, spaceships, why, why the bright lights? I mean, you know, if you, if you've got a spaceship that's coming from, say, like another solar system, you would think they would have the technology to not have, uh, a, a Christmas lights all over the craft. <laughs> that's a really good standing, point. Yeah. Standing out <clears throat> for everybody to see. It, it's, it's very much like these things are wanting to be seen. You know, why else are you flying at a low pattern with very bright lights on? Just really just screaming, I'm here, look at it, you know, look at me. Um, which, you know, maybe why that we've been seeing more just, you know, little, uh, little orbs and, uh, barely distinguishable in the night sky, uh, uh, uh lights, uh, and that sort of thing. They've, you know, got to the point now where everybody has a cell phone camera. Possibly, you know, probably, you know, not the best cameras in the world, but still everybody, uh, if they have a mind to it, could snap a picture. You know, maybe whatever is behind these uh, uh, these things, you know, the, the UAPs, it's finally gotten through their heads that, hey, you know, maybe we can't be flying around with very distinctive, metallic-looking craft because someone's going to get a pic- good picture of us someday. And there have been good pictures, but a lot of them have been ignored. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, this is very interesting. Uh, uh, ben? Thoughts. That's a that is you know Tim that is an incredibly good point that I, I've I've never really realized because if it's you'd, you'd think it'd be like an Independence Day scenario where they wouldn't really need landing lights they just kind of communicate via the ship right mm-hmm. that yeah, that would exactly. so it's so it, it lends more to the question honestly it just adds adds more questions to it because it's it's like okay well you have this craft and. Um, you know, is it is it is it one of ours? And I, uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember who we were talking to a few weeks ago. It's it's on the tip of my tongue. Mm. You mean a guest? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Well, uh, we were we were talking we were talking about uh, UFO history throughout time, and I, I asked I asked him. Well, we'll look at, I'll look it up real fast when it, when I get a chance. I think we remember our own guest, but after. Going on fifteen years. Well, this is show number nine hundred and fifty. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the old, uh, the old memory banks. Uh, this is that is a good point, and we 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 talk about so many topics, and it's it's hard to be well versed in everything all the time. Anyway, the, the the point the point being is, well, you know, how do how do we know it's not one of ours, right? You know, if we're if we're constantly developing technology, you know, and the the uh, the government is. At, at the very least, we'll say the military. The military is at the very least ten to fifteen years ahead of us, you know, at, at all times. And it's it's um, before you know we get sort of stuff leaked into the public. It's it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, why are we seeing more craft in the first place? Is it a distraction? You know, there's so many horrible things going on in the world right now that, and there's so many things that are trying to distract us from the actual problems and solutions. That it's like you know why why wouldn't this be another distraction right you know why are we hearing suddenly more about quote unquote disclosure you know other than it being a possible distraction you know change let's just change the name of of unidentified flying objects into you know UAPs right Un- unidentified aer- aerial phenomena right which now it it kind of occurs to me that instead of ufology it'd be u apology right <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and and maybe it's a tongue in cheek joke i don't know right and so it's it's another it's another thing where it's there's so many more questions that are asked and and it makes me wonder is is it is it time for um 
or or are we are we sort of on the verge of of the quote unquote paradigm shift? Are we are we sort of getting to a point where our narrative just isn't really working anymore? And are we getting to a point where it's like, okay, well, now we're we're sort of having the government cater to us in some way, shape, or form. Is that a good thing, <laughs> or is it a bad yeah. thing? We we don't know. And now we're 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 trying to discover. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you trying to say something, Father? Oh, oh no, I think you might have been thinking of Michael Strat on May. I was 8th. thinking of Michael Strat. Yeah, yes. with the uh, obscure and little-known UFO cases like the Michelin Man and all. Yes, and I I posed the question to him because he was he was talking about, um, you know, the possibility of it being a military, originating from us. And I was like, well, how, how much of the time would you say that any of these UFO sightings would be, you know, one of ours, quote-unquote? And he was like, oh, like 90% of the time. And I was like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, that's, he's like, that's, that's what I found anyway, is, is that it might be one of ours. And I was like, that's interesting. That's, it's, it's fun to think about. It might be true, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's, that's the thing, is we don't really know. And so it's so now we're 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 getting to a point where okay well we're getting distracted by all of these things but what's the overarching message why are we seeing more of them and is it because there's something big that's going to happen right kind of like a Mothman scenario well what's interesting to me and maybe Rick would want to comment on this is that uh, over the history of our show uh, and uh, before that for about the last thirty years uh, the the it seemed to go from Nuts and bolts craft in sightings to more ethereal or spiritual phenomena such as balls of light. I'm thinking of our old friend, uh, the late uh, Ted Phillips, mm, yes, uh, who was on uh, many times, and uh, I think this was the last interview he ever did. I probably shouldn't tell you fellows this, but um, you know, uh, people have a tendency to uh, keel over every time, you know, when, whenever they've been on this show. It's the last interview done done by by people of the caliber of uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. and cetera. So uh, Tim's got yes. a look on La- his face. Like last he's a little no- bit doubtful. I don't blame him. Last known vocal recordings. But uh, co-hosts are exempt. So you fellows are both co-hosts. So. All right. So, so anyway, uh, yeah. That Ted said that um, some years ago, and he was on that, that the phenomena seemed to have been shifting from the uh, nuts and bolts craft to. Uh, more of, of these spiritual or ethereal or, or hard to put your finger on non kind of me- mechanical things, and uh, now uh, the indication is it could be shifting back. So we'll leave that thought there while we take our mid-show break. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 12:40 AM, 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Be right back with our two great co-hosts. So stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Night is alive. Join us and local and live at nine okay. five. Welcome FM. back to Behind the Paranormal here on WON Radio, AM and FM, and we are uh, talking today with we have our, our great uh, guest uh, co-host today, Tim Swartz. We have an open line show. 
to answer your questions. And we have uh, Rick, our Northern California reporter, calling in uh, regarding UFOs. We've talked about the nature of bilocating ghosts, and we've talked so far, too, about the nature of UFOs. Uh, Which is zipping zipping through topics. Exactly. So, uh, Rick, did you want to comment on... um, uh, on yeah. the, the further on these cases, yeah, I, I think a couple things. Um, to me, the uh, what you're just speaking about, you know, the sort of the spiritual or dimensional connection, these seem to be more um, of the nothing bolt nature, meaning these crafts. The one unique thing I can say about all these cases is they did something unique that the others didn't do in each case, like one that literally disappeared, like gone. Um, and, and and so and then this this one with the temperature change and you got to wonder was that a result of being close to a craft and it giving off you know, radiation or heat or are they being scanned? But what is unique is that they all did something different, but they all seem to be physical crafts, um, maybe from another dimension, maybe from that, but definitely solid structured vehicles under under control of, of uh, intelligent control. So um, where these are going to go, I don't know, but I do know this. All these cases are not far from Moffett Field in Lockheed. So that mm. point about the military craft that Ben was making, I mean, I see a lot of weird things out here. Uh, I, I'm sure if I went down to the desert there in Southern California, I'd see even more weird things. And what what's making me think of that is the Space Force is tuning up and, you know, they're, they're, you know, they actually have a, a, a literal space force. They have people in it. I've got to believe they didn't start that um, with zero graphs and zero technology to do that because what would be the point? I don't think they would be operating, in my opinion, off of trying to get a, you know, a Saturn rocket into the atmosphere to get people up there. I, I do think they are full ahead of, uh, been said about 15 years to 20 years ahead of us. And they are using these anti-gravitational vehicles. And that's my best guess. I would lean towards that side of it. It's it's some type of uh, military or black ops craft that they've developed. Okay, well, there you have it. Well, Rick, thank you for calling in. I have another favorite to hit you with for next week. I'll be in touch off the air. Okay. uh, Thanks very much. Thanks, fellas. It's good Uh, talking to you. Okay. Always a pleasure, Rick. Now we have a question, as uh, we usually do, from uh, Peter Shelley in Bogota, Colombia, one of our other guest co-hosts. Sure. And, Ben, if you would take it away, it's dedicated to Tim. Ah, yes. Alrighty, Tim, your time to shine. Uh, our, our, our good, good co, co, co-host and, and, uh, questioner writes to us. You have worked a number, or worked on a number of books from UFO contactees. Do you have examples of any interesting, really obscure contactees that you could share and, uh, a little description about them? Oh my, um, gosh. You know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of obscure contactees, uh, uh, that have have come and gone throughout history, um, and you know, John Keel often referred to them as uh, silent contactees because uh, the majority of them never wanted the publicity that you know you had from people say like uh, uh, George Damsky or, or or Howard Menger. Um, but you know, I have worked with um, a few. That um, 
they 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 all made me promise that you know I'd never reveal the names, but I but I can tell I can tell their stories. There was one one woman in particular that um, her case was always really interesting to me because it started out very much like you know as we were talking in um, uh, just previously about UFOs. Her case started with what appeared to be a, uh, a a physical craft that landed in the field behind her house. Uh, now, now, this was a woman. She was married. She had several small children. No interest at all in uh, UFOs, or you know, no no real knowledge of it either. You know, probably with the exception of you know maybe something that she had seen on television. But but one evening. Um, while the rest of her family was gone, this craft, and she described it as looking like a um, like a giant ball bearing. You know, she was round and uh, it was like it was covered in chrome, very shiny. She said it landed in her in the field behind her house, and she said that she saw. She wasn't going to go out and see what, you know, investigate. So she was watching from her kitchen window. She saw a number of humanoid looking figures and she, she really couldn't tell what they looked like because they, she said that they were glowing. It was like they um, had a luminance inside of them that was coming out. She, she described them almost like as, as angels. And then they all got back into, in, into the craft and it, and, and it flew away. Well, that evening then, um, when she was in bed and, and her husband was with her, these things then appeared in her bedroom and, you know, gathered around the bed. She says there was about four or five of them. And she said they were tall. They had like uh, a, a long blonde hair. Some of them, she said, uh, the hair, you know, it, it varied from like, she said some of them were redheaded. They were brunettes or black hairs. Uh, she tried to wake her husband. He wouldn't wake up. And these things... Uh, these beings talked to her and told her that um, they were visiting from, and I can't remember offhand now, uh, you know, like you know, some you know, some other star system. And they, you know, they told her where they were from, and that they were visiting a number of people across the world to to leave a message about uh, uh, the fate of the planet. And let's see, her story that they, that they told her was that there was an upcoming ecological disaster and that, uh, uh, we needed to, you know, put a stop to our polluting the planet and things like that. Uh, they disappeared. Uh, husband had no, you know, I mean, he never woke up for it. This happened, I guess, um, a number of times, but it was almost like it was a recording. At night, these things would appear. They would repeat the same message, and it, it, it happened, you know, over and over again. She said. She said that was the bizarre thing about it. Uh, and, and then uh, finally, she saw the crap appear again in the field. Same situation. Things got out, walked around, got back at the craft. It flew away, and she never had a repeat experience again. Yeah. Uh, so what what makes this story unique in in a lot of the ones that I have looked into was the fact that it was almost like it was uh, uh, you know like a a, a a a film or a you know a DVD or something replaying itself 
uh, every time these things would would appear to her. And again, like a lot of the uh, older contactee cases, uh, it was always a message of planetary destruction. You know, the older ones dealt more with uh, nuclear disaster. Mm. Seems like the more modern cases deal with ecological disasters. And, of course, these things never offered any, you know... Um, any advice on what you know what what she should do? Right, she yeah. just, you know she, they just they just told her that you know we needed to change our ways. And you know in a lot of these cases it's always the same thing. You know nobody ever says oh well you know here we've got this device we're going to leave with you that you know you push the button and not only does it fix everything but it fixes <laughs> all the people you know who are you know that you know all the corporations that are polluting and everything. Uh, but then you know after that. She never had another experience again. And, and, and it really was, it was one of the strangest contactee cases that, that, that I ever investigated. Hmm. Thoughts, Ben? You know, it's, it's funny. I, uh, I brought up that, that same point, Tim, on, a, on a podcast I was on because somehow we got talking about environmentalism. And, uh, and, uh, the, the, uh, one, one of the hosts, um, was talking, was talking about it and he was saying, like, oh, well, you know, uh, it, it's like you know the ETs come down and they they're like oh we should really you, know, you should really need to do something about the environment and I was like yeah but they never tell you how <laughs> they, nev- no. they never tell you what to do they they're just like you, you gotta you gotta stop it you silly human and it and it doesn't really do anything right but that's a really interesting point too you know the 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 whole thing with nu- nuclear war and you know the seventies and eighties I mean, maybe even the sixties too but he, the the funny thing is. Arguably, I'd say we're there's 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 been banter thrown around from various various sources I've read that arguably we're much closer to nuclear war than we were during the Cold War. Yeah, and, nobody's paying attention. No, no, huh. and that, we were that, hiding under desks. Remember that, Tim? Oh yes, <laughs> the duck and duck and cover. Yep. <laughs> right now, now we have mass media telling, "Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's and it's like uh but but here's the thing you know we, we have so many things that threaten to destroy us at all times and 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 if these these ET these very benevolent ETs care so much they don't really do anything about it and and here's the thing why don't they do anything about it you know the the argue you know you, you hear people say well they 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 don't they they care about humans and they they want to see us progress you know and they they want us to do great and I was like okay cool then why aren't they doing anything and it's like, and then the opposite side of the coin is, well, you know, they don't really care, and you know, we're just kind of there, and they're then, then why interact with us at all? What's the point? And so it's it's a big it's a big question mark as to why even bother with us at all. I I always like Stanton Friedman's whole thing where you know we're we're sort of this this you know this race that that's primary you know um, activity is tribal warfare. That's like what we've what we've always done, and so it's like, why would they care, right? And so it's it's like, yeah, sure, they want to help us, they want to save us, and it's like, no, they just want to hurt us, they want to mess with us, and it's like, well, it doesn't. We 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 like to make things so simple, and and we like to simplify things, you know. It's like the whole point of conspiracy theories isn't that well, we know secret knowledge. It's it's to understand incredibly complex con- concepts and boil it down to one thing. When it's not one thing, it's so many other things that are happening all at the same time, you know. And it's it's like you, you can't boil down all of this to well, they want to help us, they want to save us, they want to hurt us, they want to experiment on us. We're in the middle of a cosmic war. 
Because the thing is, we don't really know. <laughs> well, this kind of prefigures our show in two weeks with Preston Dennett on the abduction of Dolly, his latest book. Mm. And you, you have just stated, Ben, the precise theological argument about why doesn't God come in and make everything good. Right. You know, come in and save us. You could just substitute aliens or God in in the same argument, which I find interesting. Well, it's like you know, it's like being on a playground and and you you're, you're climbing on monkey bars. You fall, you hurt yourself. Like, well, I won't do that again. But now it's like, okay, well, now there's a bunch of styrofoam on the ground, and you you can fall to your heart's content, and then you're fine. And well, it's, at the risk of being having a, being a spoiler here for that show, uh, the common theological argument is is that we are allowed to have free will and to mess up as much as we want, and that's why God doesn't come in and solve everything. Uh, and then his his subject in the book, Dolly, says that the aliens don't do that for precisely the same reason, that we have free will, and it's the whole thing right down the line. So, I mean, we'll have fun questioning her. Tim, maybe you want to get in on that show. I don't know. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've, ta- I've talked with Preston and Dolly, in fact. Oh, have you? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, fam- right. I, I'm very familiar with her case. Okay, well, why don't we get into, um, there's a question here from Roberta in Uxbridge, Mass., and we started on this question, but I'd, I wanted to get Tim's view on this, so I think it's worth uh, stating it again. Sure thing. Okie dokie. So, so the question is, well, we love your show, uh, Paul and Ben, our household words around here, uh, but I now have grandchildren, and some of the paranormal subjects are pretty scary and negative. How do you talk to your children about these things? Uh, there are enough scary things in the world right now. How do we reassure them? I think that's a good question. What say you, Tim? Hmm. Well, I suppose it's it's a matter of uh, waiting till they actually um, ask questions about it. Uh, uh, you know, depending on the the, the age of the children. Um, you know, really popular uh, <laughs> uh, media, you know, uh, TikTok, Instagram, things like that. I mean, is is really full. Of, of of videos with you know uh, alleged ghosts and monsters and, and and all that and you know right from the very beginning say with my daughter I mean she's she's fifteen almost sixteen and uh, uh, when we talked about things like that you know I always told her I said you know there's there's a lot more going on. You know, uh, around us that, that that we don't realize, but uh, you know, and I just tell her, but you know, it's nothing to be afraid of. I said it, it's not like there's never going to be a monster under your bed or in your closet. You know, ne- never worry about things like that. You know, I said that uh, you know, you being afraid, your fears are probably a lot more worse than anything weird that's ever going to happen to you. You know, I said, yeah, you know, sometime you may see something, you know, weird, something, you know, uh, you know, some closet door may open, you know, a can may move across the counter. I said, the most of the time, that's it. That's the worst it's, it's going to be. So don't worry about it. Don't be afraid of it. And, and then, you know, if she would come and ask me questions, then I would try to answer her as as honestly as as possible and and that's just it you know you have to be open not only with you know uh, uh you know, paranormal or any subject you know if, if a kid wants to know don't try to 
you know, bury it under a, you know, a, a cloud of pretty flowers and, and unicorns. Just, you know, I, kids appreciate it when you're honest with them, but don't, you know, don't lay it on so thick that you, you scare the heck out of them. You know, just, you know, honesty, I think, is just always the best policy when it comes to things like this. Well, I certainly agree with that. Well, I remember um, a story about, which is true, because I heard him say it on the air, uh, Mr. Rogers, someone I admired tremendously, and uh, he was asked this question many times, being a child psychologist, and he said, and his answer was, when he was little, and he was frightened, he'd see bad news on the television, or disasters, or plane crashes, or whatever, his mother would say, look, look at all the people who are helping, mm. you know, and, you know, the message uh, being implied that they're far more good people and far more good things happening than there are bad things. And I think that, that that's that's a real thing to um, to consider. I remember when 9-11 occurred, in our house, Ben was nine, mm. and he came back from school one day, uh, that day, and he said, Dad, are they going to come to Woonsocket, meaning the terrorists? <clears throat> and I, I almost smiled a little. I said, Woonsocket is really not important enough to have that, you know, in, in good I think it's a great place, but uh, you know, he wanted to be reassured, and naturally, you know, I still we'll, do. Yeah, <laughs> well, we all do. So we I think all, it's really we all simple. Need a little reassurance sometimes. Yeah, that there's far more good than there is evil in the world. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I tend, I tend to agree. You know, anxiety is is really just the result of, um, well, it really just it really just comes from us, you know, and and it's and it's really it's really just. Our, our desire for an immediate solution to things. And sometimes there just isn't, you know? And, and it's, and that's okay, right? And it's, and it's, a, and it's okay to, to be anxious about things because it's, you know, it, there's no immediate result. And it's just reminding ourselves that, you know, sometimes stuff just happens. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing with the paranormal. Sometimes stuff just happens. And it's like, we only have <clears throat> the data points that we work with. And, you know, you hear something, fall in your in you know great example my my house is an old house and it creaks a lot and um occasionally my because your cats are too heavy the, hey you know my cats are perfect <laughs> <laughs> they uh but you know my 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 wife is uh can 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 get a little get a little anxious sometimes She's like is there someone downstairs and i'm like well no you know you just heard creaking you we know we'll mention the skunk no, we will. We will not. We will not talk about that because that is a different story for a different day. But that was that was really you know new homeowners. What can I say? Um, and, and so you know it's it's like our our anxieties and our, our fears, as as you said very aptly, Tim, are, can be much worse than what's actually happening. And and I I really like that because it's true. And it's and it's like we we. We hear something small or see something small, and then we build a build a, a story around it. And sometimes it's it's just something moved, you know, and that's yeah. about it. Well, we uh, might have time for one more question here, but Tim, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your your many books, uh, your website, your tremendous history working with people like Tim Beckley. Uh, and so, go ahead and tell us uh, where people can find out oh. more. Oh well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, right now, our uh, our most recent book is uh, Sean Castile and I uh, put this together. It's called uh, Timothy Green Beckley's Bizarre Bizarre, and uh, it's just a, a collection of some of Tim Beckley's uh, favorite stories. 
that that he had in his personal files. He he was wanting to put this book together before he passed away, and you know had some ideas of what he wanted to include. But unfortunately, you know he he did die before he could uh, take it much further. So Sean Castile and I uh, uh, we took it upon ourselves to uh, put this book out and get it printed, and it can be found on uh, Amazon.com. Uh, like all of uh, the rest of my books, uh, you know, uh, just you know, type in Tim R. Swartz or Tim Beckley, and uh, there'll there'll be more than you know yeah. most people would want to deal with in in, in, <laughs> in a lifetime. But uh, I encourage you to try though. And uh, my website is uh, conspiracyjournal.com, uh, and I always uh, nowadays I, I kind of preface and say all the uh, all the fun conspiracies and none of the political junk. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And uh, Sean and I are also we're, we're currently working on a book uh, uh, called uh, uh, the working title is called Alien Artifacts, and it kind of deals with the uh, you know, somewhat with the uh, 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 metal debris and stuff possibly left by UFOs. But we're going to take it a step further. You know, I mean, you know, physical uh, 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 things and, uh, it's just, uh, it, it, it's gonna be a fascinating book. I hope we have that, uh, finished and out by the end of the summer. Okay. Let's take a really quick one here from Lynn. I don't know where Lynn's from. Okie dokie. Uh, so Lynn writes to us, uh, I have seen, or, or I see you have a show coming up on Skinwalker Ranch. That's July 31st. Uh, I have seen the, uh, the TV shows and it's pretty interesting, but I have trouble believing what I see on TV. Do you believe this case and what is your take on it? Yeah, we're going to have James Keenan on, uh, from the show on July 31st. Uh, well, uh, Tim, what say you about Skinwalker Ranch? You know, I, I do think that uh, uh, there is unusual activity taking place uh, at that uh, in that area. But uh, if, you know, you go all across the planet, you will find other locations that have probably you know just as much, if not more, types of weird activity. I know you're talking about Ted Phillips. I mean, you know, he he looked into for many years the Marley Woods yeah. in uh, in Missouri. And uh, recently, we uh, uh, on another show I was on, we had a guest by the name of uh, Trey Hudson who had uh, been investigating a, a place in the um, in the southeast that. Uh, Really, I mean, you know, if you would take all the activity of that and move it over to uh, Skinwalker Ranch, I mean, the, the, the cases would be uh, indistinguishable. You know, I wonder sometimes if, uh, if you would go any place and just uh, put up equipment in the middle of a wood someplace, if you wouldn't start uh, uh, recording paranormal activity that, uh, you know, maybe just depending on the time of year or, or, or whatever, you know, you would see uh, uh, interesting paranormal activity that would, uh, you know, ebb and fall. It'd be that'd be an interesting experiment uh, for uh, uh, to try sometime, just to see if you could uh, uh, just go anywhere and see if uh, paranormal activity would start up. Well, don't look now, but we actually do that. Uh, but uh, these are the uh, flap areas that, we, as we call them. We're working at six right now, and it's overwhelming. And uh, many of the same things that, that, that uh, the Skinwalker Ranch have. So had we not seen it ourselves, we might have more trouble believing it. It's about Skinwalker Ranch. Excuse me. <clears throat> However, um, 
you have variations such as uh, the Pukwudgie uh, phenomenon in the Bridgewater Triangle right near us, uh, where we are, or at least I've been quite frequently lately because of uh, filming uh, there on various documentaries. So, yeah, I, I, I believe it. I trust. Uh, we both know George Knapp. We've been on coast to coast with him. I think you too. You have too, Tim. And yes, uh, we we I, I we trust George. He's a real journalist. He's the best interviewer I ever worked with. And um, uh, Colm Kelleher, I, I don't really know very well. And we'll see James Keenan. I know him through the uh, through Mufon, uh, the uh, Experience of Resource team. And uh, he's going to be on the show again in two weeks. Uh, I should say July 31st. So uh, we'll find out more about it then. And uh, But, yeah, I, I have no problem believing because I've seen it, you know, in other places. So, Ben, thoughts? No, I, I, I tend to agree, and also we don't have a ton of time. Yeah. So it's so I, I think it's it's uh, it's worth exploring, and it, it's always kind of hard to to sort of talk about something you've never you've never seen or experienced. But you do your best, and it's that's why we have interviews. <laughs> yeah. That's why we talk to people. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about it is is uh, the the um, uh, well, as John Keel called them, window areas where all sorts of things would happen. And in, in our experience, these things are all happening, things that are not traditionally related to one another in our minds, you know, UFOs and ghosts and things. Right. Uh, but th- they seem to be, in our minds, uh, at least, are related because they involve uh, quantum entanglement and um, the various uh, over- overwashes and terms we had to invent for a multiverse phenomena, as we believe it is. Uh, where things come and go, inhabitants come and go, there's interaction, and the energies are similar or the same. Well, it's also not a new story either, right? You know, places can be many different things yeah. at the same time. And it's and it's it's what our ancestors experienced, and it's what we continue to experience. Yeah, these things have been going on forever. So there we have it. Uh, okay, uh, Tim, any final thought on that? No, I think that was a, a fascinating uh, question. And uh, it's uh, uh, there. There have been locations all across the planet uh, throughout uh, history. I think you look at any place where there's like standing stones and uh, you mm. know, other ancient uh, uh, monuments. Probably at one time that would be uh, you know an area of high paranormal activity, like Skidwalker Ranch. Yeah. Well, you've been all over the world doing that, and I've been in stone circles in England and seen some pretty weird stuff. So there you have it. Uh, more material for another show. Ben, yes. let's take away our announcement. Sure thing. And if you're into Alien Crunch ice cream, Roswell burgers, spaceship chips, why don't they just call them space chips? Who knows? You're in luck, though. The Exeter UFO Festival returns in September at the historic Exeter New Hampshire Town Hall over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, remember, or remember, it is in September, September 3rd and 4th. Uh, this is a great event, and the whole town gets involved. It's sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. Along with ourselves, speakers will include Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, Jennifer Stein, Bob Terrio, Mike Stevens, Lynn Nickerson, Valerie LaFasso, uh, Mac Maloney, and two new faces, Shauna and Josh. 
Lajeunesse. Lajeunesse. Sorry, no, I was running out of breath there. You're going to get that by September. Lajeunesse, yes. Yes, very elegant. Yes, indeed. And uh, the subject of our talk will be time storms, uh, with thanks to the great British researcher Jenny Randalls, who coined the term. Uh, we plan to do our traditional live broadcast from the event that's Sunday, uh, that's on Sunday with a panel of the speakers. And this is a fun event, so you can join us. Visit it, ExeterUFOFestival.org for more details. And visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. You have all kinds of information and uh, 1,100 over 1,100 free shows uh, recorded from uh, 2008 on and different specials and all that. So you can so if you have 1,100 hours. Get that there if you do, yes. So uh, we also have a charity page. Check that out. Uh, what's lurking in the closet for next week, Ben? Well, next week uh, we plan to shine the light on a fun subject that's on June 19th. We'll welcome back Ray Hernandez of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute for a journey into what the researchers have found and what's in their new 2,000-page, four-volume book, A Greater Reality. <laughs> yeah, something else. Uh, we leave you today with a rather sad thought from person or persons unknown. When I was a child, I was afraid of ghosts. As I grew up, I realized that people are far more scary. Anyway, I'm uh, Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Tim Swartz. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of... Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Local and live at 9.30.